The Eagle and Child, episode 28. Mailbag episode, part two. Hello, and welcome to The Eagle and Child, the hallowed pub of the Inklings. This is a podcast where each week, my friend Matt and I share a beer and discuss the writings of the author known to the world as Clive Staples Lewis, or C.S. Lewis, or just as Jack to his friends. My name is David, and in today's episode, I'll continue delving through the mailbag with my co-host Matt. It was fun doing this last week, and I hope the listeners will enjoy today. Some of the comments are going to bring us to talking about charity in more depth. And, and pain. In pain in more depth. So if you think like, oh, this is going to be comments, let me just listen to the next episode or skip this one. No, we're, gonna, we're actually going to get, especially into this one, into some, <laughs> some deeper topics here. Is that the comments are going to be more of a launching point mm-hmm. for us to get into a bigger discussion. And a little bit more critical. A little bit more critical. Last week's was, we were reading just a beautiful comment because we were very thankful and we talked a bit about marriage. These are going to be more getting into specific points. So what's today's quote? Given that one of the comments is going to be on pain and suffering, I thought a good quote from C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain. I suggest to you that it is because God loves us that he gives us the gift of suffering. The gift of suffering. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, we are like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves the forms of men. The blows of his chisel, which hurt us so much, are what make us perfect. Think about it. The blows of the chisel. Suffering is what's shaping us, forming us. It's such a beautiful quote. And so after a quote like that, I need a bit of a drink. Uh, since we're still doing the mailbag, uh, we're sticking with the Deceptivus, which was the bourbon whiskey. Cheers. Cheers. Just as good as last week. Before we go into the more critical ones, we need to, like everything, when you're critiquing someone, start with the good. <laughs> you know, we're going to do the same for ourselves. We need to hear this first. So we'll start with these iTunes reviews, which mm. these are much more generous. <laughs> I'm very happy to make this podcast a part of my week. Matt and David share funny banter, good theology, and personal application. Having read Mere Christianity many years ago, this is a great review of Lewis's work from two men that are pleasant to listen to. That one sounds like a friend. Just us. <laughs> that one almost sounds like too clean and perfect. It does. I don't recognize the username, though. Neither do I. I'm, I'm assuming it's just a general person out there, but that just sounds like a friend. Just a, a, someone that just recognizes uh, genius when they see it. <laughs> yeah, Lewis. Well, yeah. This last iTunes review I really like. The person says, Clearly not all Christians are out to prove they are right but rather out to prove that Christianity can help in some of life's biggest problems and struggles. I feel less alone and more joyful in my movement closer to God through Lewis's work and because of the work of the men on this podcast. Brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, it was very nicely said. But isn't that so true? I mean, that goes back to people who listened to the last episode, that first Peter quote. Your goal is not to prove someone wrong. Your goal should be to, to, to share the joy. Like Christianity's helped me. And I want others to feel the great joy and the benefit of it. It's Pope Francis, the joy of the gospel. Not just to beat somebody into submission. Exactly. And to prove you're right and boost your ego. Okay, so next up we have an email from Francis. And this is one of the ones that's slightly critical. (laughs) And slightly is a key word there. Because he he does say he loves the podcast. Mm -hmm. He's very kind in this. But he's he's holding us to the fire. He's sharpening us. Which is totally fine. Uh, It is. He was responding to episode eight when we mentioned a little bit about the problem of pain. And I don't think we spent much time on it. We didn't. And that was really what he was saying. It's like, can we say more about it? 
the Christian response to the problem of evil and the problem of pain isn't simply that we don't necessarily see the good things that can come out of this. Which I can see how that can be hard for someone. I imagine you have a, a family member dying of cancer and you say, good will come out of this. Well, that doesn't really make me feel any better. Yeah. And so I can appreciate this response. And I think there's, that's certainly more things that we could say about this. And actually, just to plug the other project that we've just finished, the video series, we actually spend an, a video episode talking about the problem of pain, breaking up evil and suffering and dealing with them separately. But I, let's, let's just give a little summary of some of the other things that we would talk about when we're talking about the problem of evil and the problem of suffering. Yeah, because that actually might be months before that one's released. <laughs> So we should. For me, I'll let you talk a bit more about the technical stuff. But for me, and Lewis's quote was talking about this in the beginning, the problem of suffering itself isn't actually a problem. We should look at it as a gift. I mean, suffering in life, get get away from Christianity in the theological argument. We see all over, suffering is an incredible tool for growth and shaping us. No pain, no gain. I remember this study that looked at the lives of billionaires, and most of them had an immense amount of suffering growing up. But because of that, it shaped them into the person that was able to achieve and overcome incredible obstacles and achieve the great success they did. We see it everywhere. Suffering is a gift when we understand and we rise up and, and, and approach it in the right way. Which again is an intellectual argument that still doesn't dull the emotional yes. sharpness of, of experiencing pain. Yeah, try again, going back to the family member, even my argument right now is not going to make someone feel very comfortable in, in a painful situation of a loved one dying. No. And I think the other things that we would have to talk about with regards to evil and suffering is, first of all, the fall. The fact that we don't live in heaven and we live in a fallen world and therefore evil and suffering, they're, they're real. They're, they're things that we experience. But actually, they, similar to your point, they actually open up the possibility to great things. If you have a universe where there is no danger, there can be no courage. I just thought of this. Imagine you have two choices between two childhoods, one where you have this incredibly protected childhood and one where you are exposed to suffering and pain. I would rather be the latter, honestly, because that's going to turn you into a person that can handle life better. I mean, we always talk, oh, that's a sheltered child. I don't want to be that person. I think I would choose that retrospectively. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, that's the point of all of this, though. We, it's retrospect. We are in the moment and it's hard to see it. But the fact that you answer it that way, is the, that's the point. Hmm. And also, we can't talk about evil and suffering without talking about the cross. Yes. Because this shows us what God can do with evil and suffering. For something that looks to be the greatest injustice, the greatest evil, it can be the means of the greatest salvation. Yeah, I doubt Jesus in the moment was loving it. And he was experiencing the motions too. Hmm. So we hope that's uh, responded a little bit to your, to your questions. And if it's still dissatisfying, wait a couple months and we'll have the video out where we talk about this for a bit more uh, length of time. This next one, we're going we're gonna to have to do a really good job paraphrasing it. But this, this person, I actually really appreciate the detailed comment he made. But it's in response to our episode on social morality. Yeah, it was episode 15. Episode 15. And we talked a lot about charity in this episode. And, and that's what he really focuses on. There's a few other things. in. I really appreciated his comments overall. I mean, they were, they were nothing that we truly, really disagreed with. I mean, no, I agreed with that 99% of everything he said. Yeah. Uh, but how we start out with his, what was, what was his first thing he said? He starts off by commenting on something that Lewis said. Because Lewis said that Jesus didn't come to teach us a new morality. He said it's, it's crackpots who come up with new things. 
And he, he had this comment I really liked. He said, every newfangled fad is actually nothing more than a warmed over, regurgitated old fad. Yeah, I like that too. He, he, he actually just completely disagreed with Lewis. They're, they're not new. And he's right. Yes, but they're often presented as new. And they actually, are. Lewis is going to say exactly the same thing in our next episode, in yeah. chapter one of book four. He makes the point that heresies are, are very, very rarely ever new. Uh, I remember when I started digging into church history, reading the early church fathers, hearing about modalism and Gnosticism and Arianism. And then I looked around today and I see traces of these heresies that have just been repackaged and repurposed, but it's still the same fault. Now, as you said, the main focus of his email was on the subject of charity, because we spoke a lot about it in that episode. And in particular, he refers to something that we quoted from Douglas Gresham, who said, Lewis thought that in charity, you, you give until it hurts. Perhaps then maybe you've given enough, but probably not. Here's what he says in the email. Lewis's view is something of a mixed bag, in my opinion. Certainly, we must be generous with our resources. But Christian charity does not demand, in the normal course of things, that we give more than we can spare. In fact, barring extraordinary circumstances, it would be counterproductive. I would go so far as to say that if our first consideration is what it may cost us to help others, we've put the cart before the horse. We are actually making it more about ourselves, my sacrifice, what it's costing me. Our first consideration should always be considering the other's good. To be sure, that may, and often does, entail sacrifice and difficulty on our part, but that's really ancillary. The need to exercise good judgment in how we charitably give was not really addressed in the podcast, nor does Lewis really address it. What are your thoughts on that? I agree with a lot of this. But the one thing I'm going to push back and make some comments is we do see in Scripture some pretty extreme statements. Jesus doesn't say to that woman who puts her penny in, she shouldn't have done that. She doesn't have much to spare. No, he said she gave incredible amounts. And, and, and highlighted that is a really beautiful thing. And here he's kind of making the argument, it seems like that, well, let's be smart and prudent. If we don't have anything to spare, we shouldn't give it. Well, she did not have anything to spare. And Jesus didn't give him some lecture that she gave wrong. You see it um, You see it with his disciples when he sends the 70 disciples out. He doesn't say, bring some gold so just in case you run out of resources. He goes, no, trust me. Surrender completely. Know that I have this under control. And so I'm not trying to sit here and encourage people to give stupidly. Mm-hmm. But I don't think giving... I think that's more to do with you should give to smart causes. But if you give too much, but you, you just have this utter dependence on God, I think that's okay. And I think, I think of St. Maximilian Colby here. He's not a little bit less of giving towards causes, but when he was running his, uh, his ministry, that night magazine that was reaching up to a million people on a monthly subscription basis at its peak, I'll, I'll never forget some of the people we're talking about sounding very much like this comment here where they go, Actually, we go, we don't, we, we're in debt right now. We don't have the resources to expand. He goes, don't worry, trust God. And they said, I can't believe how it always worked out. God always provided. And he, he, he was definitely not prudent from a financial <laughs> perspective, but he trusted God. And sometimes we think, again, I, I, that's why I'm struggling to say all this because it doesn't, I'm not trying to encourage imprudence, but if you're doing this with an incredible trust on God and for the right reasons, I actually do think he provides. I have two main thoughts, and I'm, I'm with you on all of this. It's like, there's nothing here I actually really disagree with. But I can't help but notice that we find the saints, St. Francis of Assisi, Mother Teresa, C.S. Lewis, we find so many great people speaking in this way that I don't want to be so quick as to brush past it. And also, the other thing is, I don't think that we have a problem in this regard. Let me give a story. 
When I was at school, in the run-ups to the exams, the teachers would always give us in our morning assemblies encouragements to study more, to work more. They say, we've got exams coming up. You guys should be putting more time in. You should be learning more. You should be studying more. You should be preparing. And it used to really stress me out because I was a very conscientious student. And I was like, I don't have any more time. I've got nothing more to give. And my mother told me, that's not for you. They're not speaking to you. They're speaking to the people who haven't done any preparation. And likewise, I don't think the church needs to hear too much of a message of moderation when it comes to charity. I don't think the problem that the church has today is that we give too much. And I can certainly say for myself, that's not the problem I have. I know, and I want to be careful because I say all this, I, I, I could be giving more. But I think of the study that shows in the United States, only 5% of Americans truly tithe, which is 10%. Uh, 80% give less than 2%. And then the Christians, where they did survey Christians versus non-Christians, they found it was on average 2.5%. So we're, we don't have an overgiving problem right <laughs> yes, now. Yes, exactly. That, that's not the issue. And so, yeah, maybe technically this is a correct statement, but mm. which I still actually push back on that. But even if it is giving it, that's not, that's not what we need to hear. <laughs> yes. I don't need to hear moderation. I need to hear step out in boldness. It, it reminds me of C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves when he said that the kind of maxims that say, be careful, take it, you know, don't, don't, don't make yourself vulnerable. Don't, don't risk losing something that you love. He said all of these kinds of maxims, they really speak to me. I'm a safety first creature. I'm the same, <laughs> and particularly with regards to this. And what I need to be hearing more is the kind of stuff that Lewis says, the kind yeah. of stuff that Mother Teresa says, the kind of stuff that St. Francis says. Yeah, my, 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 my final thought when I think of this is, in today, we do a really good job rationalizing and justifying the scripture into our own life mm-hmm. to allow us to live the way we want to. And wealth is probably the number one way. And I won't go into really any detail here, but I'd encourage people to look at Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. He talks about the parable of the rich young man. And he goes, the rich young man couldn't say what we get to say today. He couldn't say, Jesus meant this. Be detached from these, but I can still have these goods. No, the rich young man had to walk away knowing he couldn't give complete obedience to God. And we, we today like to create these excuses and, and, and make it a little bit more easy. Yeah, we're very quick to neuter the words of Jesus. We're very quick to make them less and less extreme. And I'm not saying that even that interpretation is wrong. I just think we need to sit a little bit longer with the plain thing that Jesus says to us when he tells us to trust God, when he tells us to look after the poor. That's what I need to hear more. Yeah. He then goes on to discuss the the issue of giving money to the beggar. It happened when Lewis and Tolkien were walking and they, they came past a beggar. And then Lewis pulls out the change in his pocket and gives it to the beggar. And Tolkien says, why'd you do that? He's just going to spend it on drink. And Lewis, with a, it's a funny comment, but then Lewis responds, that's all I was going to spend it on too. And he rightfully points out that that is a dangerous thing to do because that might actually be having a negative effect on the life of that beggar. He, he could be getting caught in addiction and you're fueling that addiction. Or today they could be part of a trafficking type system. He brings up Mother Teresa. And I went to Mother Teresa's place for a month, and they do say, do not give money to beggars because you're, you're it actually can be very dangerous, and it's giving into this system that, that entraps these people. And so I actually do appreciate his point here. Um, the thing that I would maybe push back is I don't know if Lewis truly, he didn't mean be unwise and just give a bunch of stuff to beggars. I think, again, this goes back to what you were talking about earlier of this is just more of making a bigger point that maybe we hold on to these things for the wrong reasons yeah 
And, and this goes back to, I believe, this bigger issue that how often when I pass a beggar, I use this excuse, but then I don't end up giving somewhere else. Exactly. And so it's still this issue that I, I'm using this as an excuse just to make myself feel good and not actually give. What I need to do is take that money and give it to a very productive charity, I guess. I agree with all of that. And again, I'll just come back to the words of Jesus. He says, give to him who begs from you and do not refuse him who would borrow from you. And I think the danger that we can get into is if we start judging who we regard as worthy and unworthy poor. And that puts us into a very, very dangerous mindset. I remember someone, actually, I can already see pushback against this comment, but I I still think it's valuable. I remember someone once told me, I made the same exact same comment, you shouldn't be giving to this because you don't know how this person's spending the money. Is it really helping? And that's true. But they responded, you know, out of 10 people you give, what if you miss that one person that would have transformed their life? And maybe the negatives offset that. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not actually trying to make. But there, there was some truth there. You can't be this perfect judge. I can give to a great charity and it's going to be abused. Maybe they have too high of costs or something. I mean, there's no perfect way to do it. And I would make the point that all of this is very prudential. And because it's prudential, we can give some guiding principles But at the same time, it's deeply contingent on lots and lots of factors that we often can't really see. And I'm really, I am on the team Tolkien side of this in in terms of a general principle. But again, at the same time, doesn't this seem like a very Jesus thing? Doesn't this seem like something that one of the saints of history would have done? And the only other thing I would add as a caution on this is when our giving isn't one-to-one. When I view all of my charitable giving as I'm either giving it to the government, to a charity, or to the church, that can foster an attitude that makes me think that it's their responsibility, not mine. Again, I think that disconnect can, can become a little dangerous. But again, just to reiterate, I don't disagree with anything that's actually in this email. We're in sort of the realms of paradox. There are, there are some things that, that we've kind of got hold in tension at the same time. Mm-hmm. Having said that, one thing I would push back on is, in his email, he says, I would also suspect Tolkien thought Lewis had other motives, in addition to charitable ones, for doing what he did, like feeding his own pride. Here, I think Lewis was engaging in a very showy form of generosity. That I'm just going to disagree with. I don't think there's anything in the story that suggests that. And I will actually say for myself, I remember the first time I saw somebody giving someone on the street a sandwich and how that moved me, how that cut me to the core. And I realized, well, what was I actually doing to care for the poor? I'm not saying this is the case with this gentleman, but every time I, I feel that way, I think someone's doing something because they're showing, it's usually a sign that I, I give out of showiness. You know, you, usually you see something in another person that's inside yourself. And yet again, we actually have another paradox in scripture. Because what does Jesus say about giving? He says, do it in secret. But then what does he also say? Let your good deeds shine before all men, that people may see them and praise your Father in heaven. Yet again, we're caught in this, in this, in this paradox. Mm-hmm. I do love at the end, he talks about how we have to be careful not to call them a poor man, but a man. I thought that was a really good comment. I mean, we, we need, it isn't splitting hairs, as he puts, and I agree completely. I mean, these people, I watched this incredible documentary I'd recommend for everyone called Poverty Inc., and it talks a lot about that. If we create this beggar thy neighbor uh, mentality, that's very dangerous for development and, and, and for the development of a person themselves. And hate to say this and burst some people's bubbles, but the whole the part of it, it talks a lot about um, Haiti and it talks about Tom's shoes. 
and how dangerous that organization can be because it, it dumps these shoes in these several countries at a free cost, which then the local shoe industries get destroyed. They've actually tracked them. And it can be, and then if they're not continuing to dump into perpetuity, then they leave. And now there's a broken shoe industry there that's been belittled by free goods. And it's, it's an awesome documentary that just changed my view. I think he, this gentleman would actually really like that documentary. And so I mean, to sum up, I mean, you and I have brought up lots of different things here. And yeah, I, I say I agree with most of what he says. Charity requires prudence. And prudence is a very tough thing to adjudicate on. You and I love, so what are the three mailbag things on? Marriage was brought up, problem with pain, and charity. We covered two of those three in our video series. <laughs> we, we realize those are big issues. And so we go into more detail. Now we know charity is one we need to talk a bit more about. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll probably do another mailbag episode once we finish book four of Mere Christianity and we finish season one. It is in sight now. I know. <laughs> yeah, so so we, book four is actually pretty long, so you got some chance here to send some comments in. But please do. We, we, we will highlight these, and we would really appreciate if you guys would send us your feedback, what you're struggling with, and we'll, we'll talk about it. And you can do that through RestlessPilgrim.net, through Twitter and Instagram at Pints with Jack. So next episode, we'll be starting book four. And until then, further up and further in. Cheers. <laughs>